Welcome to Space Bros, the feminist science fiction movie podcast. I'm Mary, and with me is a practitioner of extreme witchcraft, Kate. What's up, girl? Hey! <laughs> That's right. You I'm know, leveling. just over here practicing extreme witchcraft, not just witchcraft. Extreme. <laughs> extreme. Extremely amazing. I know. I'm just leveling the same charges that are going out against Beyonce towards towards you. Tell the listeners a little bit about I Beyonce and her extreme. I would love to. One of Beyonce's uh, former drummers, Kimberly Thompson, um, has leveled charges against Beyonce. She thinks that she Beyonce uses extreme witchcraft, dark magic, and magic spells of sexual molestation. Yikes. That's pretty rough. And also says that Beyonce allegedly killed her baby kid, which is which is which is tough news. I mean, <laughs> that would all be really tough news. It's just that, like, I feel like Beyonce has more going on in her life. Like, if she had a secret, I mean, she doesn't, but if she had a secret kitten killing fetish. I don't think anyone would ever know about it. I think she could successfully ha- do that and hide it without it being like uh, something her drummer could go and like you know talk about i i'll go one step further i feel like if she had a, a secret kitten killing fetish she ain't killing no drummer's kitten like she's getting yeah, like right she's getting like fancy kittens like to to slaughter like there's no way no yeah, way like bingle cats and yeah. mm, d- listen i am so against the slaughter of cats i need to see that right now i've got a cat I feel like home that should go i'm a cat mom without saying like, yeah, but like I'm just like, oh yeah, Bengal cats, Burmese cats, all of those would be particularly suitable. And I'm like, no. I mean, obviously, I, I light, back. obviously, light and love to Thompson. I I do believe victims. Oh, 100 percent. Oh man, this is yeah. No, of course, but this does sound right. Yeah. I mean, like I, I think that there's like mental health issues at play at work. Yeah. I do think it's crazy how many like thought pieces, and of course, like you know, the like once this happened, the internet was like, what? Like so. <laughs> <laughs> like like frothing at the mouth and so excited. But I like how many pieces are like, I mean, Beyonce's really popular and no one can explain why. And I'm like, I think Oh my god, what? really? I think I we think can. we can explain why. She's a pretty amazing artist. Well, and also like she's a pretty amazing artist. She has like top talent at her exp- at her disposal all the yeah. time she was yeah. a child she's literally been doing this her whole life so she's had yeah. her whole life to like make it to where she is now it's just like it's, it's really yeah like, she didn't just like spring up out of nowhere because of witchcraft yeah. like fuck off guys we have, we have her a entire life and also it's not like she's like running the world like we're like she's a pop star we know what these people although, are although mary you know who runs the world? <laughs> I well, Beyonce wants me to girls. believe gir- girls. <laughs> yeah, too. which is which is not. <sighs> tr- yeah, I remember immediately when that came out. It was like one of my like I think that it was one of feministing's like top five feministing fuck yous, which I feel like it's a waste of one because like I don't think Beyonce singing well, aspirationally now, is a bad thing. Now but looking now looking at it with the lens of history, we're like, yeah, that wasn't really big of a deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> the world when they don't like but yeah. like let's call it aspirational uh, now that, on the grand scale of all the goddamn garbage we're dealing yeah, with now that like basically everyone in politics is like beats up women or rapes them or both <laughs> like, like right. i don't i don't think we have to worry so much about beyonce's potentially mixed up messages about 
about um, power and equality in the, the world right now. I mean, it's just frustrating because, like, we already, like, already that was something you and I had talked about, and it's why Roxane Gay's Bat Feminist resonated with us so strongly oh, because, I love like, her. yeah, having essays about the fact that, like, we are all humans and we will all come up short of like idealistic measurements about like what a feminist should and could be. But like, and also it's that's like just normal. Life. It's a normal to enjoy things that are not completely aligned with your political beliefs. Absolutely. Which, I, you know, what? it's kind of crazy how revolutionary she is for saying that. I will say. Absolutely. No, she really, she really is. And especially in the time when she first started writing that, like, we were. I feel like the feminist movement at that point was doing a really good job of cannibalizing anyone who was uh, not measuring up, who well, was, like, was, coming like, very... into the forefront. Yeah, and, and I'm not really sure. I mean, now I'm just kind of, like, old, so probably I don't, I don't care as much. But, like, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, like, there are things where I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I do my best. But, like. <laughs> But like, I try to learn every day. I'm a human, but like, <laughs> like, I I, so I did some exercise, got some work done. I'm gonna like, you know, I'm gonna watch some Vanderpump Rules now. It's fine. <laughs> um, so there's like a little bit of that. So probably, but like, I'm sure you know. I, I'm kind of past the like, the college stage where everyone's like, like in the woke Olympic. But I, you know, I do think that um, it, it is crazy how. Uh, how revolutionary just being like, hey, we're people. It's cool. And I also I also love that simultaneously she's like, but there are like lines that are personal and public that you don't mess with. Like she, you know, like um, when Louis C.K. is now back on the stage, the whole is he? Well, so he. Yeah. I mean, yes. But like, but like he took to the stage at like one of his one of his old haunts and like standing ovation and people were like, hooray. And it was like the same week that. um, Oh, my God. I can't remember this guy's name because I don't watch news on television. It's the guy he like had the, that button on his desk that he would like press and it would lock all the doors so he could like rape women and oh like, yeah 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 Matt, uh, Matt? yeah Matt Lauer Matt Lauer okay Matt Lauer Matt fucking Lauer who I yeah, thought the was button a- the button under his desk which is uh, John Oliver said anytime anyone asks you to install a button under their desk you should probably report it never is it. I'm going to release puppies for everyone to feel better. It's always like, I'm going to release the missiles or I'm going to lock the doors. Like, I'm doing something never super good. shady. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, Jesus. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mallor, so um, it was the same week that he's like, I'm coming back to television. And like, you're just like, no, you're not. No, no, no. But nope. But nope, apparently, bro. apparent they are. And her whole thing was like, yeah, like, you know. Uh, is Louis funny? Yes, he is. Should he be back on stage now? No, I don't think so. Like, he doesn't get to decide when he gets to come back. No, exactly. Like, I don't care. If- yeah. Mm-hmm. Her whole thing was just basically like, you can't, like, he, you can't, it, it minimizes the suffering when you have these men and we don't have, like, we don't really know the laws and we don't really know what to do with these people. Like, in the past, potentially. Yeah. In the past, it, you know, it was it was worse because you know, people could, like, rape their wives and stuff, and we were like, it's impossible to rape a wife. Sure, like, we've made progress. As Martin right. Luther King said, you know, the, the arc of human history will bend towards justice, but doesn't mean it's a really, mm. you know, steep bend. It's really, pretty loose curve. It's you're really long. classing up the joint over here. Oh, 
Um, well, I think about that a lot. Yeah. Just that quote because I'm like, yeah, but what does that arc look like? What are the degrees on this? What right. Is, what is the radius of turn here? Anyway. But, but her whole thing was like, if a man was proven and admitted that he raped a woman, he would go to prison. Like, or like people would like stick him in the stocks or like there were bad things that happened to people. Right. Yeah. But we don't really have that. We just have kind of like these soft little like personal exiles. And then the people, of course, they decide when they come out of it because there's nothing holding them there. They have they have put themselves there. Like the only thing that can hold them there is society being like, "Uh, no, sit down, bro. And like society won't do that for some reason. I but like I feel like if we keep on being loud enough about it, it should do something. Yeah, no, Fuck no, no. Louis C.K. guys. Like I don't care that he's funny. I really don't. I don't. Well, I it's re- beside I, it's beside the point. Like there are a lot of people who are very talented. It doesn't exactly mean not... leave room on the stage for someone who hasn't also sexually yeah. assaulted women. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Or or at the very least, can we like? Can he, like, do something to earn his place back? Like, he hasn't Totes. really done anything. No, nah, so... he just sat out for a couple of laps. Not right. even, like, a he long sat, time. He sat like, down it hasn't I'm... been, like, a year. It's been, like, less than six months. Like, fuck. I kind of, like, all this stuff with Brett Kavanaugh, because, of course, I'm going to go there because we're, you know, whatever. We Can't are there. Yeah. We're, yeah. Yeah, we're there. Yeah. Um, it's all of his classmates who... um are saying, well, this is probably politically motivated that Ford came forward, that Ramirez came forward. You heard about Deborah Mar- yeah. Mar- Ramirez. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the answer is like, well, in the way that like when it's your private pain that you can just repress and hold on to and whatever, then yeah, you don't come forward. But when someone's going to be on the Supreme Court, you feel a responsibility as a human, to let people know what kind of person that is. If you consider that politically motivated, not just, like, morally motivated, like, fine, but it's still important and still needs to be out there. Like, I don't understand why, like, being politically motivated is a bad thing. Like, this idea that, like, it doesn't fucking matter. If you sexually assaulted someone, it doesn't matter why they're telling us about it, because the bottom line is we should know. You know what I mean? I agree 100%. Like, I think that that's just the weakest, saddest little argument ever. And I think it's only used when people know that it's true. Like, yeah. I think it's only used and they're like, oh, but, you know, she's she's like grabbing for she's grabbing for the limelight or he's finally important. I'm like, yeah, because like, what the fuck is he going to do for her now? She's been living with this for right? decades. Like, yes. <laughs> these women who came for him were like we were really close with Debbie like she would have told us it's like nah bitch also that's not it like, doesn't, it's like that's not, not even, how survivors even, operate and- even Debbie says at the time I played it off and tried to think of it as a joke and now I realize it's not and that is absolutely her prerogative because she didn't expose because yeah. she was a victim of something terrible like yeah, yeah. You Whatever also you had to do to survive it, it doesn't change what happened. And now she has to confront it because I'm sure, like, hearing his name a bunch meant her, made her think about him a bunch. Like, I don't think that this has been fun for her either. Well, and I know that this, like, makes people, like, flip out because they're like, well, if anything, change minds, blah, blah, blah. What she reported did happen. People yeah. were there to witness it. It did happen, yeah. right? Yeah. So 
that alone should upset you. I do not want I do not want a man who who will publicly humiliate and sexually assault a woman to be yeah. the a judge in the highest courts of the land. Like like no. period. I kind of don't care what she thinks about it because I know what I think about it, which is that is crummy yeah. and not and a crime and not okay. So like I don't really care. She can change her mind about this as much as she wants. That Agreed. is called processing. Like that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. But like but, yeah. Right? She's not see- she's not seeking she's not seeking anything from him. She's saying this happened and he's like, "Yeah, that's true." So, what's what are we arguing about here? Yeah, like that guy doesn't deserve to be on like a life appointment court. Like no! everyone should go straight to hell. And the Republicans who knew about it and didn't say anything instead just moved for an accelerated vote should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Like I know that they it seems as though there are politicians who are incapable of feeling shame, who are maybe sociopathic, who maybe are just so convinced in the superiority of white men. I have no idea. But like the bottom line is. I think they probably is, all pulled their dicks out at some point and showed them to someone they weren't supposed to. I'm positive that's true. And that's the thing. Like, I'm OK with with those people never like because you want to know what? There are plenty of men out there that haven't pulled out their dicks and waved them in people's faces. It's not just about like. It's like a not no man deserves to be here. It's not that jackass. Not those monstrous. Ugh. Anyway, whatever. I've, I've always managed to keep my pants on. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's a small thing. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I, I don't have much to wave down there. I mean, I understand if you have like. Anyway, doesn't matter. I think yeah, it doesn't matter. Um. It just like vaginas have less. I understand bouncing comedy potential, but I mean, um, so depends on the shape down there. I guess I'm just. I'm sorry. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. 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 All body. All different types of bodies. Well, and it's also like we sexualize the whole female forms. So if someone pulled out yeah. their vagina, we'd all be like, "Oh, she. I think she has a crush on me." No one would be right. like, "She's trying to be really funny right now." Because yeah, women, she's, tri- she's strip teasing. Yeah, she's pulling an Elaine style strip tease. That's right. I might. Yeah. Ooh. Um, but you know, I think it goes without saying that uh, Space Bros stands with uh, with Kavanaugh's accusers. So. Space Frost stands with Survivors, stands with uh, Ford, stands with Ramirez, stands with anyone else who comes forward. Um, All jokes about Beyonce's extreme witchcraft aside, obviously if Beyonce had committed sexual assault on someone, that would be horrible. It just... What has made this such a sensation is the outlandishness of the accusations. Also, I'm um, following with interest. I mean, if Beyonce is, yeah. is a practitioner of extreme witchcraft, I I would like to, I would like to <laughs> I would know like about to it. Know. <laughs> I would like. I, I mean, inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> inquiring minds super want to know. So we also have a little bit of a little bit of business to take care of. So you may ha- you may have Heck noticed. Yeah. May have mm-hmm. noticed that we uh we have a little change up with our intro, and that's because um Kate and I realized that mostly what we were interested in is talking about movies. Doesn't mean we're never going to talk about comics or TV shows or music or anything other than movies, but um yeah. that's going to be our primary focus here on. I'm out. sure, as you all noticed from our Paper Girls episode, we're excellent in all genres. Uh, but we excel at all things. We, we try all things. <laughs> But uh, tightening the focus is always a good way to uh, tighten up critiques. And as two film buffs from the crib, um, 
Yep. Which sounded like I was trying to use uh, some sort of uh, parlance that's not just no, but literally we've been we've been into film since we were kiddos. Uh, this is this is a perfect, wonderful little way to focus uh, this joyful expression we are having here with this podcast. Yeah. And you listeners. Well, so in addition to just covering movies for this spooky month of October. We will be focusing on supernatural and horror movies. Uh, and let me just say real quick, I'm not really good with all scary movies. So, <laughs> guys, I'm going to need someone to hold my hand during these next couple podcasts. Well, we didn't start with one that's terribly creepy. <laughs> no, no, no. This one was okay. If you, too, are challenged by horrifying images. Or <laughs> a weenie. If you're a weenie. <laughs> Love Witch, which we will be talking about today, the Annabelle uh, classic, uh, is, um, it's perfectly fine for you. It yeah. Is, it is digestible and uh, a, a lovely piece of satire. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can stream it right now on Amazon Prime. So, you know, get so at it. if you have it or if your friend has it and would log you into your computer, you know, go check it out. And We're modern people. We have friends who have things. Because <laughs> the other thing that we are now doing, in addition to focusing on movies, is, um, as you may have noticed in our last couple of episodes, reposition ourselves to uh, do less of a recap and criticism and more of a brief overview and then critique with very specific and solid examples. So um, watch I... it and then join us. <laughs> or, or keep or just get the whole thing spoiled right for you and it doesn't matter because uh, it's all about the journey. I, it's at the climb. Yes, as, as our patron Cyrus will tell us. <laughs> yes. Also, I don't believe in spoilers because um, it, to be surprised is not the uh, the the t- like creme de la creme of experience while while enjoying media. Boom. Okay. So I remember seeing the previews for this even before before Space Bros was a twinkle in our eyes. Um, and um, I knew that it was satire, just based on like the the preview and and things I read about it. But I really thought this movie was going to be a comedy. Like I thought it was going to be a much classier Austin Powers plus Suspiria, <laughs> and I would love to watch a movie like that. But yeah, this... that's a really funny pairing. <laughs> but this movie is not that, and it's fun. Like it's good. It's still very good. Um, but I was actually really surprised by how serious this movie was. Yeah, I thought that, I honestly feel like that is one of the things that I almost feel like was a detractor and like maybe, maybe I was just expecting too much differently, but it's definitely a satire, but sometimes I feel like they should push it a little bit further so it's a little bit more clearly a satire. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of mixed on that because on the one hand, I feel like the sincerity of it is sort of like it's like it's something I haven't experienced in a long time in a movie like this, which was so it was sort of like a breath of fresh air, or like strong, good medicine. But at the same time, I would say that this is this movie is a little bit taxing to watch at times. Like there are funny moments, but it's like funny moments where like you either go like, ooh, like, ooh, that is true. And that like hits some sort of like that mixture of like funny but also pain or it's funny like like you like give a wry smile but there's nothing that like made me laugh aloud for sure like they needed just like a little like something to like lighten the 
a little bit here and there, I think. I agree. I agree with that 100%. All right. So, Kate, will you tell us what this movie actually is about? Yes, indeed. When we meet Elaine, our young and beautiful witch, she is driving into a new small town because she is ready to be in a place where nobody knows her. When meeting with Trish, the realtor, she admits that she is addicted to love. And as we discover, she is uh, using magic, sex magic and love spells to try to find the mate of her ideal dreams. Uh, ultimately, her magic is going awry and ends with a string of dead ex-lovers. With the 1970s aesthetic that seems to borrow from Everett, including Hitchcock, but a 2016 production date, uh, Love Witch transports us through the eyes of Elaine into a perception and control-heavy narrative wherein a woman tries to become the fantasy in order to find the fulfillment of her own. Da-da-da! Anyway. Yeah. Let's get into it. This is the the work of um, one woman, Anna Biller. So she was the director, writer, producer. Um, She did the music. She um, did production design, art design, set design, costume design, and a little bit of the production management. (laughs) So kind of everything. She's like the ultimate auteur. She definitely, based on her blog post, Let's Stop Calling Movies Feminists, which I will post on the Space Bras um, social means. Um, I suspect she would not enjoy her podcast. (laughs) Basically, her thing is like, exploitation films are never feminist. Get it through your head. The director's intent does matter. And I don't 100% agree with that necessarily. I don't 100% agree with that either. I don't, I mean, I'm not even sure I have 50% of, I, I, I probably 50% agree with it. Honestly, authorial intent does not weigh high on what I weigh when I am analyzing yeah. stuff. Because I don't think that the author is always as smart as the work. Death of the author, although I think we're at kind of like a, a turning point. Like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I can watch Roman Polanski's stuff anymore without being like. Oh, I can't. Or, and, yeah. and definitely, let me use a stronger example. I'm not sure I can enjoy Woody Allen's work anymore. And <sighs> yeah, and like Death of the Author used to kind of take care of that, and now it doesn't anymore. <laughs> like you know, yeah. like people would say, "Well, you know, don't worry about who he is, person." Now we basically do. So I think I think our culture is sort of shifting a little bit. But like, she yeah. is an auteur. She does it all, and she's like master of her domain, which is making this piece of art. So of course she cares what other masters of their domain felt like when they were creating their art. How did you feel about the movie overall? I think. With some reservations, that this movie is baller. I think this movie's really cool. <laughs> I really liked it. Um, Biller is a really interesting person, and her perspectives agreed. Her perspectives on life and the world need to be heard and seen and experienced. Even if there are things that I don't agree with her on, I am glad she said what she has to say. Like, it's nothing, there's nothing crazy in there. She's not like, let's kill all the babies. Like, there's nothing, like, wild (laughs) or, like, rape is awesome. She also comes down on the other side of infanticide. Yeah, yeah. She's she's, she's anti-infanticide, so everyone, everyone, hold on to your butts. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Put your butts back in your pants. Kavanaugh, put your dick back in your pants. Always, 100% of the time. Please, always. Like, literally always. always. But just her perspective on things is very interesting, and it's, it feels very fresh. What did you think of this movie? I liked it a little bit less than you, mm-hmm. I, I suspect. I did like it. I do think it's worth the watch. I think it is 
a beautiful piece of cinema. Uh, I love that it uses overt visual language like uh, repetition of the red. I love the aesthetic of the movie. I just... I wish that they pitched the satire a little bit uh, harder. I wish that it was a little bit funnier, honestly, because it is satire through and through. So I guess for me, I want my satire to be a little bit more than... You want it to be more French. Before. You want yeah, it to more be than, more than a funny. smile. Yeah. 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 Just like push it a little bit further because it, Elaine could be a little bit more of a comedic character and I understand why she's not, but like I don't think that it needed to be quite quite so serious of a film. I think it could still have achieved its goal. But for what it is, um, because it's not... Clearly what I'm saying is I wish it were a little bit something different, but what it is is still good. You kind of pinpointed, and I think correctly, that this is primarily a story about control and how people people organize and 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 control like concentrate energies in their lives to control themselves others and everything in between yeah no control comes up again and again and it will be a word i mean if you want to play a drinking game with our podcast maybe drink every time we say control cuz i think i'm going to be saying it a lot so <laughs> or, or don't don't or don't, don't or maybe don't get like that drunk so. maybe maybe drink when you hear infanticide <laughs> <laughs> so far, you'd be a little bit toasted. You know? Yeah, don't do shots though when we say it. We say it more than I didn't think it'd come up again. Fair, but but maybe I didn't think it'd come up at all, and then I brought it up. So you know. I think I mentioned I think I mentioned infanticide, maybe, yeah. but I got away with it. <laughs> And I would have gotten away it. with it. It wasn't for you meddling well, I kids. I mentioned it once or twice, but I think I got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so uh, as a sub-theme, something I found really interesting, because it's a film, so this is almost a little bit silly to talk about, but perception mm. was uh, is a huge role. We get to see many shots from point of view, uh, point of view of the men she is seducing, the first of which I'm thinking of is Wayne, early in the film. Wayne. Wayne. Early in the film, Elaine is wandering around having just uh, <laughs> she's, sold some wares to the local sharing, witch she's, craft shop. She's sharing half a PB&J with a bunch of pigeons is what she's doing <laughs> in this moment. And then she sees this dude and it's basically like the thrall, you know, the siren song mm-hmm. almost. Like he notices her and like literally if the gender roles were reversed, this would be such a creepier scene because it's basically something to be like, hey... You're hot. Oh, you got a place in the middle of the woods? You know what we should do? Go there right now. I'll cook you a nice dinner. It's fine. You don't know me, but let's let's go to this. It'll be fine. And he's like, sure. And I was basically like, she literally could be a serial killer, which we find she kind of is. She, like, it's a little bit less intentional, I guess, but, like, it's definitely cavalier. She's a cavalier serial killer, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, we should we should get into that a bit in a bit, because I, I, I wonder about... Yes. I wonder about how cavalier she really is. So the central kind of idea of this movie is that Elaine wants love. And so she makes mm-hmm. these love potions and she feeds them to men that she is attracted to. And they get sick on love and then they die, basically, is how it goes. Yeah. Um, what I thought was really interesting for being a movie that that plays around in this space of control is that I think she's very successful at like at making these men sick to death on yeah. their love 
but she is yeah. not at all good at controlling them. Like, this does not, like, I think her ultimate, no. the things she does ultimately do not work. And what's really interesting to me is the agency that she displays is is minimal at best. Like when she, so she basically like looks at Wayne and he comes over to her because she puts him in thrall, right? Like he, inter- he's having a conversation yeah. with another woman. He like stops in his tracks and like turns on his heel and walks towards Elaine, right? Like that's definitely yeah. magic. But then yeah. I don't think that she's putting him under any sort of magic spell when she's like, Hey, you got a place in the woods. Hey, do you take ladies up there? Hey, do you want to take me up there? I think he's like, that is his fantasy that she's delivering on. And he's like, yeah, I do. I want to do all those things. I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and and part of this control, something she uses is uh, fantasy. And that she really wants her fantasies to be met. And in order to meet those, she thinks she needs to give men what their ultimate fantasy is. Um, even if that isn't exactly what she is, I think she would be happy if everyone was playing the same role, if everyone was into the same game, if we were all just trying to give each other the ultimate fantasy. Like, that's what she wants, but uh, it it does it's not ultimately successful. Uh, her desire for fantasies ends up controlling her in a way that uh, I think is unsettling to herself. She thinks she has all this agency and power, and ultimately, she is stuck on the same um, cycle of abuse uh, as her victims, these men that she interacts with. She literally is stuck on the same cycle. So I think it's really funny that the same things happen every time. So um, and, ac- yeah. and actually in the story, it it's so it's so rote that you almost get a little tired of it. I think that there's a kind of a pacing issue in this movie. It's two hours. I think it's about yeah. 15 to 30 too long. In my opinion, like it, Agreed. It, it, I think there, I think there could have been some some tough edits there. But basically what happens is she talks to the men about things that are missing in their life. Then she promises she can fulfill them while doing the same exact striptease. And then yeah. she offers herself to them and they like have very, very, I would say, vanilla sex with her. And then they complain yeah. in postcoital about how every other woman, every other woman. Right. And so it's like. And in that moment, I think we're supposed to believe that she also doesn't measure up. Like, Wayne, after they have sex, complains about how pretty girls are never smart enough for him and smart girls are never pretty enough. And, like, how tough that... How tough that is. How hard that is on him. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Right? Um, And then eventually, um, Griff is, like, literally thinking while eating, like, wedding cake at his fake wedding... About how disappointing and impossible you to ever love her. <laughs> like, like, yeah. So I think that this, you kind of have this thing where she has, she has this formula in place that she has been taught and she's trying very hard to make it work. And she's just repeating the same steps over and over and over again. And she's waiting for someone who's willing to do that dance with her and then fill the role. And they all fall short and they all die because of it. <laughs> like, they don't yeah they don't move the way she wants them to so they get killed yeah and a good example of of this uh back and forth uh the first time we see this really fail because when the movie starts jerry her ex-husband has already passed away is with wayne uh after she has put him in the thrill after they've had sex and therefore activated the sex magic and he's saying to her in bed no woman has ever given herself like that to me before Life has been tough, huh? Yeah, in a way. You're not like any other woman I've met. No games, no agenda. 
<laughs> just, just, yeah. You just seem to take life as it is. Is there any other way to take life? Well, the woman I've been with, they all want you to make a bunch of promises to them as soon as you sleep with them. But how can you commit to someone you don't even know? It's crazy. I know, baby. I know. I never thought I wanted to be tied down to anybody, but it's just because no one was ever quite right. All the women I'm attracted to physically, they're never bright enough, and all the bright ones are homely and don't arouse me. That seems like quite a problem. It is. I feel my whole life as a loner, thinking I didn't need anybody, but now, oh, I'm not so sure. Oh, Elaine, I've never felt real love like this before. You're just having a lot of emotions right now. Oh, Elaine, I'm scared. I'm not used to feeling things so strongly. I can't take it. I can't take it. Oh, Elaine, I'm sick. I'm sick. Hey, it's all right. I've got you. I love you. I'll always be here for you. Try to get some sleep. And then she leaves the room while he shouts Elaine a bunch. Uh, And where are you? And if we get a shot of Elaine sitting coolly on a couch. Having a bit of a smoke and thinking to herself, what a pussy. What a baby. (laughs) I thought I found a real man, but he's just like a little girl. Right. She wants these men to love her and to, like, be on her level and to connect to her. But she also wants them to be, like, more hyper-masculine. Like, she wants, she wants this mixture that doesn't necessarily exist, just like we find many times in this movie that uh, we hear from men that they don't seem that they seem to want a mixture that doesn't really exist either um yeah i mean i think it plays strongly so i think biller is making like the strong point against the devil's bargain that elaine has entered into which is she's going to conform and give up her control over herself entirely to a Mm -hmm. male gaze definition of what a female should be and what her sexuality should be and in order to gain their approval and love, which will then allow her to reveal her true self, right? Right. But, and and in return, she expects the men to all be, like, the brawny man. Like, she wants them all to be, like, good and true and strong and princes and, like, kings and those kinds of things. And when they don't measure up in that way and when they want to emote, she doesn't like that because she's like, hey, I'm all, I, you know, I am already wearing so much fake hair on my head <laughs> yeah, so right? that you like me so the least you could do is like suck it up <laughs> like, yeah. keep it all down yeah. keep it all inside and I think that sometimes that stance of like women women have to seize power any way they can and then what they do with the power afterwards matters sort of like a means to an ends sort of argument when it's laid out to me in this way I like I'm like yeah that's total nonsense and I believe that personally but you see this all the time and I almost feel like this is like kind of her first sort of like stake in the ground that I think is actually really gutsy I mean we're still we lived we lived through and are still living in a world where like Frank Miller can give a sex worker a gun and she's suddenly liberated like that's not yeah right even though even though he hasn't done any of the work to be like She's a sex worker, and that's good, and like that's fine. He's saying like even though she is a sex worker, she has yeah, a gun, a so she's fine. Of, uh, yeah, 
Well, yeah, exactly. She's one of the good sex workers. Like he hasn't done any any of the work to be like actually a sex worker isn't is is a fine human being. He's a human, yeah, and who has a job that is reasonable and viable. It's just work. Be able to do what they need to do. It's just work, right? It's just work. That's a really cartoony example. I think most people know that Frank Miller is a monster, but um, (laughs) I don't. don't, But you like just just watch one of his movies, guys. I mean, come on, like seriously, it's not hard. to see. He's a literal monster. Yeah. In kind of our, our parade to accept and love everyone, which is absolutely right, to not be like, you know, there's sometimes are bargains that are really hard to come back from. Like, yeah. it's really it's really hard if you have given up so much of your control to then when you finally have like an inch of space to suddenly take all your control back. It's really hard. Elaine seeks control because she understands that there's a gender unbalance. Like, she wants to become... Uh, a part of this, like, idealistic male gaze woman because she thinks by doing that, she will then get some control because by giving someone what they want, then she will get what she wants. That, like, if she buys into this fantasy, that it will kind of rate the stakes a little bit for her. Uh, I don't think that that ultimately is is what happens, but um, by murdering someone, by taking away their life force, that is the ultimate form of control. You have ended someone else's ability i mean so is like love spells and sex magic you are controlling someone's choices you are taking away their autonomy you are making them your plaything. i agree with that i do think that so it's sort of like her story is that um we get little hints and little um little glimpses mostly through voiceovers um that she came from quite an abusive uh, upbringing. Her dad was quite abusive to her, um, um, at least emotionally. And then her husband, Jerry, there's kind of this long extended monologue about how he's not, she's not living up to his expectations as a wife. That's such an interesting scene because while she's reminiscing about this definitive abuse, she's also writhing in her bed. It's after she's pulled out um, a jar of witch's flying ointment, which is... Uh, <laughs> supposed to I'm sure supposed to be about orgasming and it's like yeah I think she's I think she's having a magic orgasm to, yeah 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 to uh to this inner monologue of uh the men in her life saying abusive things about her weight and her behavior that uh resolves itself and after she has started to just try to conform herself to their expectations to lose weight um the positive feedback she gets from that is when she seems to ultimately climax. And and her last and her last moment during that is the scene where um her coven leader um rapes her. Assaults her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that kind of what what, what... <laughs> Oh yeah, trigger warning guys, by the <laughs> yeah, way. For real. Um, <laughs> this does get it's kind of dark. Yeah, it does get dark. Um but I think that, you know, again, there you have this sort of this moment where Biller's like building up this layered story where she's like, you can't you cannot trust moments, even when even when you have something that's like good. Like, I think that the coven Elaine describes it as saving her life. Right. That she she felt she, she yeah, didn't very have any, initially. Yeah. And she's like, like I didn't have any brought control. Her back to life. Brought me back to life. Yeah. I, didn't, I never had any control. 
now I'm now I'm able to harness my energy and focus. And now I'm able to like make the things I want to happen in the world happen. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, obviously witchcraft has a long history in feminism. Like we think of it as generally like a really good thing. And I don't think this movie comes down on witchcraft in any in, or it, it makes actually any sort of comment on like pro or against witches. I think it's mostly pro, but like it's Agreed. kind of it's kind of like a neutral element of the story. But what they do, come, it, it really is more neutral because, um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like anti-women seizing control and focusing their energy. It's anti this particular cultish perspective run by this particular patriarchal yeah. figure who is definitively gross. <laughs> definitively gross. Yeah. We'll get more into that later. <laughs> yeah, the spaces that they occupy are almost exclusively that of like the male gaze, and I think that they make clear in it like 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 there's a burlesque club that that is you know kind of constant in the background and i think that there's sort of this underlying current where they're saying like witchcraft has always been about people fearing women's sexuality i'm like i agree with that check and yep. although i would say it's more about power but you know we'll, we'll consult yeah. janelle monet and she'll tell us it's all the same thing um <laughs> yeah check out our episode on dirty computers well, that's right Sorry. name checking are us but you you have this space that is that that clearly makes you uncomfortable to watch these women performing to these like drooling men who are kind of like foaming around the stage at them and then more importantly later on the the magic quote unquote that those women the thrall that those women are are putting out there into the world do not protect any of them from like assault or having yeah. or having that sexuality kind of like robbed of them you know Elaine yeah. almost gets raped in that club this is sort of the other really strong point that I think a lot of people would that a lot of mainstream feminists might have beef with but I think it's important that she's saying it. Um, is that like, yeah, like may maybe this is empowering for some people. Maybe there are ways for this to be empowering. I don't see this as being empowering is like what Billard says yeah. specifically. I think her, her big stance is like exploitation can never be empowering just by the nature yeah. of how it is. And to her burlesque dancing, stripping, all that stuff falls under that. If you watch this movie, I don't think that it thinks that those burlesque dancers are empowered at all. Whether or not, like, I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. But I think that that is something in this movie, and that is something I haven't seen in modern feminist theory in a long time. So, uh, Griff, the uh, sergeant in charge of investigating Wayne's murder, who, uh, ends up finding Elaine and then after like kind of accusing her of being a witch and she's like witchcraft is my religion how dare you persecute me somehow this turns into being like oh, she says that she saw him in her reading this is the man she's supposed to marry but they, the man that she's supposed to marry has to love animals he's like I love animals let me take you on a horseback do you ride know tomorrow. why she thinks that she recognizes him yeah, because he's the one who pulls her oh, yeah, at the very beginning. beginning. At the very beginning Yeah, of the she's movie. like, they're like, oh, yeah, you're very familiar. And she's like, I think it's because you're in my reading and you're my love. But no, he's the one who, like, pulled her over in the beginning and almost gave her a ticket. And she was really scared that this guy was going to, like, be coming for her because she killed Jerry, her ex-husband, who was about to get married. Allegedly. 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 
But we but see flashes of him with a chalice, then dying. It's and that chalice will come back. It's alleged. It's like haunt a, us. It's like allegedly like O.J. Simpson yeah. allegedly, allegedly allegedly murdered his wife. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. On this first date, while they're going horseback riding, they stumble upon, like, a renaissance festival. And this turns into, like, almost like a fever dream of, like, weirdness because the music changes and everyone's in costumes. And and he's like, oh, these are your friends? And so, like, he doesn't treat them like they're all weirdos, even though he clearly thinks that they are. This is a nightmare scenario for me, let me tell you what. Like, (laughs) what what part of this is in your nightmares? This was so unrelatable to me, is all I have to say. So I want to, I want to hear your read. Oh, my nightmare scenario would be like, I'm out, I'm out with a, with a new boo, right? Mm -hmm. And, And we're just like having a chill time. Like it's the dates going great. And we stumble upon a run fair. That is my nightmare scenario. Yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> like, but then that you know everyone, and they're like, "Oh yeah, oh, let's no, do everything let's about it." Hop- I would be so mortified. Like, I'd be like, yeah. "None of us know how to be in this situation normally because I don't know you that well." And right. like, while like I don't have anything against Ren Fairs, like major, majorly dorky, like deeply dorky, sure, and like sure. just everything about like I was just like th- this part of the movie. I absolutely cringed during. I was like, I was like, oh yeah. god! No, like this is this is one of those movies moments where I was like, I don't know, this is not working for me quite as well as I think it could be working for me. Um, but there is a part of this that's great. Yeah, yeah. Two lovers in love. We must have a mock wedding. No, let's have a wedding. He's like, whoa, 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 like I just met this girl, and they're like a mock wedding, obviously. Which, like, if on your first date you have a fake wedding, well, let me tell you, your relationship's gonna be fucking weird. I have friends who saw Blue Valentine on their first date, and that relationship didn't, was weird. Didn't work okay? out. <laughs> that that relationship did not work out. Let's talk about if you had a fake wedding on your first date with someone who's addicted to love. Um, it's gonna it's gonna go poorly. So anyway, after they've had like this fake wedding. And they're, like, glowing each other's company and, like, uh, eating, like, basically cake off of each other's fingers. We get to hear this internal monologue back and forth between Griff and Lane. I'm not in love. It's not that I don't have sentiment. It's just that love is soft. You need guts in this business. And I've seen guys get shot to death because they fell in love and got soft inside. I want an heir someday. And I would need to have a wife. Love is something else. A man can get destroyed by things like, like he's not even a man anymore. I never want to get that way. And that's whichever to Elaine. When you love him, it's like fireworks and nothing else matters. You love all the little quirks about him. The way he slurps his cereal, the way his mouth is a little crooked. Those details about him become your whole life. Something inside you opens up like a flower and you realize that you have more love to give than you ever thought was possible because the more about you know about him, the more you love him. The more you get to know about a woman, the less you can feel about her. But first, she's this incredible object of mystery who fulfills all your wildest fantasies. Then she starts to reveal little flaws. Then after a while, it just gets pretty hard to care. Feminine ideal? only exists in a man's mind. No one could ever fulfill it. And sometimes, when she tries to love you more, give you more, you feel like you're suffocating, drowning in estrogen, the most awful feeling. 
So there's a lot here. <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, this movie, I think at its like core, like the most important story it's trying to tell is that the way we raise women to to think that they are valued and completely defined by the love of a man is messed up and the way we teach them to do that is through like fairy tales and 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 like and like gothic romances and like things that have like big sweeping arcs like a romance novel for a girl is about like people not having sex and that's like the sexiest thing right and we train and like twilight is like that we we kind of train our girls to have this sort of like we eroticize yeah withholding withholding physical expression and that's what love is and then meanwhile we train our boys to just just get that vagina just get at it have it no matter what even if she says no it's still yours you still have a right to it and it's a bad deal on both sides right so we like men push down your emotions and just get at the sex that's all that matters yeah and it's a bad deal like so that's a raw deal because like that's not healthy for literally anybody no that's the thing like these are both like serious like hyper socialization which again satire but like yeah no one These are so incompatible ideologies that nobody could possibly be happy. Well, and I think that the Love Witch points out that it's like way worse for women because it's way, it's way worse to have this idea that you're seeking some sort of white knight who's going to like take care of you and like love you in an obsessive, crazy way. And then the reality of it is that all they, all these men want her to do ever is to strip and get naked. Like that's all they want. So yeah, that's their ultimate fantasy is her being a sexual object, not a person. Yeah, yeah. and and they don't even. And, and so they every don't time even, she breaks from that, and they don't even care yeah. about her fantasies. Like they really don't. No. Like in a way that is no, 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 no. They they just care that she is their fantasy. Like yeah. uh, not only does Griff say that, but. Richard, the first time that they get together, she's like, I understand you perfectly. You just want to get into some mischief and have a love affair. And he's like, oh, Lane, like, what are you doing to me? She's like, I'm your ultimate fantasy. I'm the love and that's like titular line. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Billard says she wants to build a world that is that is women's gaze. And I kind of think she's very successful. female gaze? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I think it's, like, very successful, actually, at it. Like, it's very, like, glamorous. You have kind of, you have... Hyper-feminine. Hyper-feminine. several points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, just, like, the way, uh, you know, the way that we look at Elaine has to be quite, as, as women, has to be quite different from the way a man would look at Elaine. Like, she's, like, she's, like, devastatingly beautiful. But yeah, agree. But you and I both came away with being like, man, we should do our eye makeup that way. <laughs> like, mm. we have all these like feminine spaces that are like little, like like things that you would let like, like little girls want to do, like go to tea rooms and like and like fairy princesses and castles and manor houses and like yeah, and all of her fantasies we see are exactly that. They're explicitly this hopping on a white unicorn and being whisked away. Um, and I, th- I think it's devastating to her that basically uh, she she has to contain all of this inside with the hope that one day giving men what she wants will lead to what, this. Well, what she thinks that they want will lead to her getting what she wants. I did think it was strange that she thinks that to get this, she she needs love. 
Because I don't think that she actually enjoys emotions at all. I think she's a little bit of a sociopath. And by a little bit, I mean, I think she is a sociopath. A a lot of a sociopath. Yeah, Yeah. like she's quite cold in this entire movie. Yeah, every time men actually show her emotions that aren't just like strong, stoic men looking like adoringly at you, which, which are how emotions are. They're not just... Yeah, they're messy. Like, yeah, they're messy. They're messy. Yeah. To get someone to love you like that, they will probably also cry with you, you know? Like, relationships are a lot. Um, right. So she she kind of is very cold, and she doesn't really seem to enjoy the semblance of love that she does get from these men. And I think it also kind of points to this idea that, like, men's ideas about what women want are not at all actually what women want. Like, yeah. not at all. Um, and I think that Elaine sort of mirrors her pursuit of love as a concept, the way that men like, like, you know, kind of typically pursue, um, sex without strings, like, right. She wants love, but she doesn't actually want intimacy or like dealing with feelings or weaknesses. She wants adoration. Yeah. One of my favorite poems of all time deals directly with the subject called Translations. It's by Audrey and Rich and it's literally about how like the subject we have given women is love. We bake it in our ovens. We we have it chained to our legs. We watch it like a hostile foreign power coming down, uh, hoping that it's actually sustenance being dropped from the sky. You know, like, and it's, it's it's crazy. We are told to be consumed by this thing, that this is what we get to talk about, that this is what we get to focus on. And Elaine is is a manifestation of that. And yeah, I don't think that that's actually ultimately all that we need. And so therefore, it's when she gets it, it's not actually even what she needs. Like, I know she is a sociopath, but uh, beyond that, uh, it's about the fact that like women need more than just that. They need more than the fairy tale. We, not they, we need more than that. <laughs> we, are, we are robots, so we don't really yeah. understand these earth people. I, I agree 100%, and I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder if it's just that she's been taught that that's how women can have worth and power, because she seems to have, like, really serious problems connecting with other people in any kind of meaningful way. So, like, I think that it's it's really about control for her. She, for her, love is control. Finding control over your life, in uh, in part, you know, like by by knowing what will come next, by knowing what the shape of it is, but also having control over another person to get what you want. You know, control working on multiple levels. Control. Control. I think that's all really interesting and 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 cool, and I like that the movie goes there with it. So I read mm-hmm. what uh, the director had to say, um, or so the auteur, Billards, had to say, and she says, I wrote this movie to see what would happen if men loved women as strongly as women want them to, the way women crave to be loved by men. Men are known for being much less emotional than women, but in my experience, they're much more emotional, and that's why they won't or can't open that gate. It would destroy yeah. them. It would kill yeah. all men in the movie, and that's what kills all the men in my movie, having to experience their own feelings. I don't know if that's necessarily what I get out of this movie. I, I kind of have like yeah. a, I have like a, like a, a problem with it because I actually think that Elaine is trying to kill these people. Like, I think I think murder is the ultimate form of control. And I think ultimately, ultimately, these men will never measure up. And what we see at the end when she has this montage of these men saying that they love her and she sees Griff and Griff is looking at her with such disdain. He now realizes she's a murderer. And yeah, he saved her from getting like 
raped and torn apart at the club, but, like, he's still, like, he thinks she's a monster, and that reality isn't anything. So she, like, uh, she plays into her own fantasy, the own pain she did, and she stabs him, like, like the way that... Uh, she literally takes her, his heart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, her fantasy ideal would be. And then she's able to get from him what she actually wants, which is this uh, kind of phony adoration because she sees it in his specter, you know? And she engages in this in this whole fantasy of him, like, riding off with her while leading a white horse away. And in the fantasy, she's clutching a rose, but in reality, she's clutching the bloody knife she just killed him with, yeah. you know? Yeah, I and, and I think that that is, like, that, that's... You are right in that. A tiny piece of me wants this movie, and maybe I'm just, like, will... Maybe I'm using my witchy magic to will it into being. But I... Yeah, sure. I kind of think she's actively poisoning them. Like, I don't think... The men, the men, the emotions don't seem to be the thing. It's like, it's like that they also have these emotions and she is completely unprepared and unwilling to deal with them having these emotions that they die. She was definitely okay with Wayne dying. Oh, like she yeah. She was well, definitely like, yeah. she didn't want to deal with them. Like he turned into, as she called it, um, compost, you know, hashtag not how I feel. Yeah, yeah. But like, what a pussy. Yeah. And then in his death, she re-romanticized him. She made a witch jar with her fluids so she could be with, the, with him forever. And she gave him the rainbow again like she had before. Right. When she'd been doing striptease. And he was like, oh, it's too bright. She's like, I line all my clothing. But I think that, like, kind of the subtext here is that Elaine was a normal person, like an average woman. Like, she, she had an idea of agency. She could get depressed. She, like, had feelings that she really felt for herself. And she yeah. was just so beat down by her father and husband and the patriarchy in general that she was like, you know what? Like, just being my own person doesn't seem to be working out so well. I'm going to, like, fully become this male fantasy. But inwardly, she still has, like, that fury. And you see, like, little pieces of it come out here and there. Yeah. And I think that, so I think that she has this fantasy life where she's like, I deserve to be loved. I want, I want men to become sick on love. And, like, I want to experience that just, like, given to me in heaps, like, buckets of love. But then, but, but my rage takes over and I'm going to, poison them and I'm going to kill all these men and it's sort of like an inversion it's like it is a she is like the ultimate femme fatale but it's being told from the fatales perspective which we have never as far as I know we have never seen before in a film like you have the femme fatale and she always seems so like kind of detached and she like kills people or is the reason that people are killed but we never see like why that is or like what it is about her that is causing this and i think to me that makes this movie quite provocative and exciting to watch yeah much more so than just being like yeah they die because they love her so much like i'm like no they don't really love her that much well that that might be why you like this movie more than me because you were able to see this reading that like i did not initially see i think you're making good arguments i might be willing it into being but like the fact that she's a socio like a femme fatale a true female psyche of a femme fatale would be a sociopath. Like, she kind of has this, like, wake of bodies behind her, and it doesn't really seem to affect her, right? 
So that yeah. is what Elaine is doing, and that's what we see. We see her not, like, liking really when these men love her. And, like, not yeah. liking when they want to give these, like, feelings to her. So it seems... It's that's that's very a very provocative read I feel like and she's a very complicated yeah. character because of I don't know so that's maybe that's why I like this movie so much it's it's wild <laughs> I think it's yeah. a wild movie in in my experience like being a woman and like knowing being a heterosexual woman and knowing other heterosexual women or bi women um is that I feel like men are actually very willing to offer you quote unquote love but in right. but in my experience, nobody like no one breaks up because they fall out of love. They say that, but actually, what happens is they never gave you respect. They don't support you. They're not a partner to you. Like they don't like those kind of like day to day meat and potatoes kind of stuff that you need in a relationship to like be healthy and happy and like grow together are not on offer. It's very easy yeah. to love somebody. But the other stuff is very hard. My, my, like, my, my biggest critique of this movie is I didn't ever feel like we kind of tapped into that stuff. I basically got out of it that Elaine is a sociopath and that she's not really capable of loving people, actually. And that's so like yeah. this whole thing is like built on she she is is wanting something that she's been told and going to extreme measures to get it, but she doesn't even actually want it because it's not something she wants anyway. Like, I don't really think that women do want men to love them so hard in that way. Like, most women I talk to are like, yeah, he loves me, but like, you know, when is he going to pick up the, the pay? When is he going to pick up our dinner? Like, I love yeah. him, but... When is he going to participate in the emotional labor? Right. The, like... I love him, but like, you know, I always change the oil in the car. <laughs> like, or stuff like that. Like, it's yeah, it's emotional labor issues, mostly, I feel. Yeah. That like, yeah. that like, and a disrespect. Once you start to like disrespect the other person and like lose lose that thing where you're like you're a reasonable person and like yeah like what what you say makes sense then you never recover from that and i i kind of wish that there was something in here more about that i think that they could have done something with maybe trish or richard to show that but richard but trish in the wake of richard's death totally reverts back to this like i should have i should have been more i should have given him his fantasy uh, yeah and i i don't know I, I felt like there could have been satire there that the, actually what they're talking about isn't real. But maybe that's just yeah. maybe that's just my own limited perspective. I don't know. No, I don't. I don't think what they're talking about is particularly real. So that scene in the tea that banana scene in the tea room where they first go and there's Jesus. the harpist and it's super hyper femme and everything's like white. Um, white, 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 and proper, and like, like it's like, like they giving them like tea cakes, and they're like on like a like a multi-tiered, fantastical. Everything is like really over the top. Yeah. But so there's a harpist like who's like dressed like a fairy princess, and she starts to sing, and you hear like Elaine like turns to her and listens to the first part of her song, which is basically like there was this woman, and she was she was beautiful, and all the men loved her. And she always, she wore beautiful dresses is like the first part of the song. And Elaine listens to that part, but then she turns away and ignores the next part, which I had to look up on Genius Lyrics. And <laughs> this is what, because it's completely inaudible. I was like, I was like trying to listen for it and could not. So I had to look it up. But um, the woman says uh, the men would cry for her and she gave them what they wanted. The giving was sweet, but the lady was cruel. And I think that's about Elaine, like explicitly. Yeah. Like I think yeah. I think Elaine has like has like a very 
broad and very deep mean streak that she cannot shake. And that is why I believe that she's murdering these people on purpose. Fair. I think that's fair. Um, it's, and, and she's confronted about it. She gets, uh, confronted by Gan, the, the head of her coven, uh, the patriarchal, um, dude who, like, sexually assaulted her, like, under the guise of teaching her sex magic, whatever. Oh, fucking gross. Um, he's like, you don't have to, like, be coy with me, but you're, you're, you know, your victims are piling up, basically, and... She's kind of shocked that he even says it, but that it's true. Um, she she does seem to be uh, accruing a pile of victims, maybe not even uh, upset about it. Well, no, not ups- not upset. She's not about upset it. about it at all. She keeps like trophies as uh, these photos of these men. She again finds them more satisfying not in life than they were in death, and so I think that those two things can be combined. I think she could both be killing them, but also by killing them, feel like. Then they become for what she needs them to be because she doesn't have to deal with what their reality is. I agree to that entirely. I think like the thing when you were talking about how she sh- actually the fantasy picks up after they are dead is 100 percent true. I hadn't necessarily yeah. like connected all those dots, but like she totally goes from being like listening to Griff die a terrible death upstairs while like casually smoking to then to then being like, oh no, Griff is dead. I guess I have to do this elaborate funeral huh. and like and like be a tragic character who just can't find love. Like you know what I yep. mean? Yeah. Wandering naked, picking wild oh flowers. That was so bananas. Bananas. So when she's like picking flowers and then she goes back in the house and puts on her dress to bury him, I was like, what is the sequence of events here? <laughs> like Yeah, her dress and boots with like a heel. Oh so she wears God. that while she's like digging a grave and then gets naked again to like finish the barrel it was all very interesting choices made by uh our girl elaine here yeah she should have done it nude because we're talking about witchcraft uh we should talk a little bit about the historical context um it comes up in this but i think we can all agree that uh, claims of women being witches liberated women uh was used in salem uh, to murder women, uh, traditionally women who can stand on her own, on their own, old crones, women who didn't need men, were uh, portrayed as witchy. That was portrayed as dangerous, as uh, sometimes aligned with Satan. Uh, the first uh, women to brew ale in America were considered witches and portrayed as though like they were demonic, but they were literally just, you know, women creating beer. Uh, so it, it there's been a lot of trying to control women who live outside of a traditional power structure and calling them witches and um, using that to kind of sink them. But in this movie, in particular, it seems as though uh, Elaine's witchcraft is both hyper-feminine and so much about domesticity. It reminded me a lot of uh, The Basic Witch, uh, a book that came out recently that you might have been gifted or heard about or read where it talks about how, like, all magic is, like, we do magic all the time. Um, cooking is alchemy. Putting on makeup is transfiguration. Um, that all these things that we do, all these works are um, 
are our witchcraft, and that seems to be the kind of witchcraft that Elaine is trading on. This, her creation is her witchcraft. Her, um, she makes soaps. She has like this old school chemistry set that's bubbling around. It looks like straight off of the set of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. If you'll remember, uh, Anne Zelda uh, had a giant uh, bubbling chemistry set as well. Mm. I choose to believe that these things were influenced. Um, when she makes like her witch jar, like she puts a tampon in it and. And they also weave in stuff like tarot. Uh, we see multiple times the Three of Swords, uh, which from the traditional deck that we see in a lot of movies, it's the Rider Waite cards. Um, it's three swords, like kind of suspended in air, poking into a heart. She sees it the first time in her car when she's driving away from, when she's driving into a new town, away from Jerry's murder. She sees it right before uh, she stabs Griff. While it it visually looks like kind of painful or whatever, what it means, what it is translated as in that particular deck, uh, when seen upright, it's about painful separation, sorrow, heartbreak, grief, rejection, um, which is fitting for the thing that she sees right before she kills these men that she um, is not satisfied by. So... I did want to touch on the tarot of all this. Yeah. I love the aesthetics of tarot. It is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I just don't know. Absolutely. I just don't know very much about it as I think the thing. So, like, as a person who, like, kind of going back to the domesticity, like, I would say that, like, you know, I'm a working woman. I, 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 I'm a breadwinner, right? I contribute to my family's finances in a very meaningful way. Like, yeah, all, absolutely. like all of those things. But I also consider myself like a home, like a person who like likes to like work on my environment. Yeah, no, you and I both enjoy nesting and yeah, creating. Yeah, yeah. I like to bake. I care about interior design. Like I, I obviously care about aesthetics. I'm a designer. Like, you know, all those things, yeah. all those things for sure. So actually seeing her like engage in these sorts of things, especially like with a little bit of like science angle put in really yeah. appealed to me. And like when she's making those witches jars i mean I'm, I'm, i was like i mean maybe like hold the urine but like i'm into that <laughs> like i am, no, yeah me t- me too like those, yeah uh the urine and the used tampon were not necessary for me but the ones they were selling in the store that were less uh yeah. you know her bodily fluids but were, although that were, tampon tampon part is like important and kind of when i was starting to be like mm, i'm on to you elaine i don't think that you're uh, i don't think you're as brainwashed as everyone says she is she's like tampons are not gross the women's bo- women's body bleed. Can you believe most men have never seen a used tampon? And I really considered that. I was like, I thought that was a hilarious line. Um, yeah. Just because when would a man see a used tampon? Is all I have to say about that. True. Like, although like, that was although like that, I do think it's it is silly, but like also when when would when they? Mary? I know, when but it's kind of like mind blowing. Like if we lived in a different world, I kind of feel like if 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 the the tables were turned i could totally see in an intimate relationship being like yeah it's my tampon just the way you're like yeah it's like the wax i use to wax my armpits <laughs> like you know what i yeah, mean yeah no 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 for sure like for sure. it's just it would just be more normal or like i like the witch bottle i was like i want to make a witch bottle Sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah. I should totally put a witch bottle somewhere in my house, which I know is like appropriation and not appropriate because I'm not a Wiccan. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me t- let me tell you, my interest in witchcraft goes literally as far as I don't have to use the term Wicca because I don't subscribe to that. But I do like 
I, I do feel like there is strength in this thing that like has been traditionally coded female. I don't want to be appropriative. I don't know. I don't know the answer, Mary. Ah. Well, but you're like, you're like more in, like, I, like, yeah, you're more into it. Like, you know stuff about tarot and stuff. Like, I, I don't, I think that you come from a place of knowledge. Like, it's not okay if I just start churning out witch bottles in my, like, studio and I'm like, it's great because it, it catches the evil. It's like when you have, like, a, you're like a white girl <laughs> yeah. with a dream catcher. It's not a good, it's not, like, strictly speaking horrible but it's not a good look like it's not a good look yeah you yeah. shouldn't you shouldn't do that yeah i really enjoyed it um and that that element of, of witchcraft really does appeal to me as kind of like the making agreed the making of things and i think it the making the creation which um because we bear fruit <laughs> yes <laughs> such a would you like to, would you that? like to take another run at that um <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, because we are the vehicles of life that uh, is born from our loins. I don't know because uh, because we make babies with our birth. bodies. Like we, yeah. I think that little I think humans that pop out of get, our 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 vaginas occasionally. Making making things around life or the maintenance of life, the care of life, like the domestic stuff. Like um, it feels. I don't think it's just given to women because men don't want to do it. I it also there's an enjoyment and strength that can come from that because it is like nurturing and comforting made physical and nurturing yourself even. A movie about love spells and sex magic. Uh, it's hard for me to talk about without talking about like kind of sexual violence because uh, the idea of a love spell is um, tr- troubling to say the least. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We know that roofies are gross. This idea of like kind of um, making someone pass out in order to have what we want. But like the idea of changing someone's cognition forcibly uh, as a means of getting what you want is is such a supreme violation um, that it's that it it's an abuse that, that you have to face. And we see these clips uh, of. Gan, and every time we see Gan, the patriarchal uh, coven leader who, like, when he sees her the first time, kisses her, like, pelvis and breasts and greeting. She's, like, not pleased about it. Another time, like, just grabs her tit and she's like, please do not touch me. Uh, We see um, in the scene where she is uh, masturbating. At the end, it seems like maybe post-climax, she starts remembering being sexually assaulted during a sexual magic workshop or whatever, um, wherein this guy, like, raped her. And so it seems like sexual violence is thematic in this. You are assaulted. Is someone taking your control away from you? And by, like, appropriating sex magic, it is as though she is trying to... um, play back this abuse onto other people and maybe not like consciously enough where she's like able to come to terms with what is she's doing but it's it's what she's doing what are your thoughts i agree i mean first off i think another really really strong ass piece of this movie is that like just because just because a man likes something and is involved in something that is like generally uplifting to women does not mean and just and this actually is not even just a man just like people in general just because they're like kind of in the same like kind of lane that you are doesn't mean that they're above reproach right like um like gan is like the the thinks woman right who like yes she invented this product that's like fantastic and like very feminist and like has all these great and and like all the lip service she pays is great she also like sexually assaulted her employees so not great 
Um, yep. And I think he's doing the same thing. Like you have, you have this man who's in a place of power for a institution that typically uplifts women, but actually he is still 100% using his patriarchal power and using like the kind of the liberation he has by, by being in this space to have access to women's bodies. Like he's like telling these women, no, 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 it's great. What you have to do is harness your sexual energy to be attractive to me. And that's how you get free. That's messed up. That's not he's no better than anybody else. And I think that that's a really strong um, message from this movie. Um, and I also like your uh, your idea of uh, the love spells are, are basically like crazy roofies. Yeah. Um, Although I feel like she doesn't, the love spell doesn't make the guys want to have sex with her. They want to do that anyway, right? I do believe that we're supposed to think that, but um, I think that uh, the total control, though, that then she has, like how, um, and she does have total control because, like, uh, Richard, for example, is just like, is lost she were without at all, her. Yeah, if she yeah. were at all interested, um, she could have whatever she wants. She just doesn't. She's not interested at all, you know, um, by the end of it because he becomes overly emotional. Uh, so I do think that, like, that that lingering uh, affect is enough to, to count. Yeah. I so all that. I really want to talk about in tone cinematography, um, and so I'd love to... So this movie's gorgeously filmed. We've talked a little bit about uh, the point of view shots, the prismatic coloring, the um, the way that it it just nails uh, what a film from the '60s and '70s would look like. The I don't want to say graininess, but it's not grainy. But it's, it's shot in 35 millimeter, but it's filtered to look like it looks this. like it looks like a Technicolor from that time period. Mm-hmm. Like it looks like Technicolor has, film stock. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's gorgeous, but um, that also plays into like the tone. Like this movie, I feel like if it was just done by a different director, not saying it should be, I think it could be hella dark. Like I think it could be like oh, an yeah. actual scary movie. Um, and I just thought that, that was really interesting. How uh, like how does that affect the message and the reception? If it was done in a different style, if it was done in like kind of a Soderbergh hyper realism, but like dark palette, or yeah, what know. if Christopher Nolan made this movie? What would it look um, like? Right, uh, that's a and I realize like I'm naming males, but that's because like I mean we don't have a really we don't, dark superhero. <laughs> we also movies. don't have a ton of of famous lady directors because yeah. society is garbage once again. Um, yeah. Get on that, guys. Yeah, by guys, I mean, get on that, brothers and sisters. Get on that, sisters and brothers. All right, I mean, sit down, men, and stand up, women. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the the actually the 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 real heavy lift that the tone does in this movie is uh, for the satire aspect of it. Like when agreed when you watch this movie, you know that you're not supposed to like be horrified by Wayne's death because you're not because no, you're not. It has kind of the 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 trappings of like um, a musical from the '60s. Like it, it's it's yeah. it, it has like kind of a light tone to it, and it's all very glamorous. I also think you know that this is sort of a 
it's a very feminine world. Like everything is like everything is pretty. And um, it's a world that really appeals to like my like I'm a maximalist in terms of ear interior design. Like I want everything to be interesting. If I have towels, I want them to have like a print or I want them to have like tassels on them. I want them to be like why like everything should be special and like kind of like has this like I spy book like effect on yeah. people. <laughs> No, agreed. And and you have a lovely yeah, home as a result. You. But like I think she has yes. something like that too. Like, you know, there's no there's no like just a plain couch or just like a plain lamp in this. It's one hundred percent intentionality. The mise en scene, like the, all the elements in the shot are are gorgeous and rich and storied. You're absolutely right. So I think it's just kind of like everything is everything everything is like special and all the un- environments are unique and like and she's like the, and then you have Elaine, who's kind of like this glittering jewel among jewels. There is no diamond in the rough here. Everyone's a diamond, just like a better diamond among other diamonds. And I think that's kind of a yeah. very feminine approach to looking at things. Yeah. Not to say that women can't like minimalism and blah 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 blah. You know what I'm saying? But no, 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 no. Of course, of course, there are many different tastes, but but that is something that we associate with feminine. This uh, minimalism is associated typically as being like masculine and sparse whereas this richness is something that can be coded as feminine genders are constructs guys we're just talking about what the constructs are i don't Um, know why i'm like people are gonna come for me for saying that women like stuff don't at me on this i'm just (laughs) kidding um no it's interesting when you're talking about the femininity of the world uh the 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 least feminine female that we see in this movie i would argue is trish and trish is still really feminine um you know yeah she's wearing like a pantsuit but like it's peach and so it's really interesting because at the end of this movie when her husband has killed himself because unbeknownst to her you know elaine uh seduced him and then wrecked him with her magic and, and he becomes a shell of his former self um and can't handle it uh she there's this bonkers scene at the end where they're back in the tea room uh, it's kind of the exact opposite of what it was before. Now, this time, Elaine's saying she's engaged. She's not, by the way. Like, so I don't... That's fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> well, or is she and, actually married? That was another... That's actually another beef I had with yeah. this movie. I was like, if they had a fake wedding, it should have been a real wedding secretly. Like, that... I, I thought that was really weird. Well, and I think I think, you're, I think you could make that argument. Because, like, what is a fake wedding? Um, You, you went through all the vows and shit. As like, the true... Are you saying that this person isn't ordained in the coven? Because, like, also, like, I'm pretty sure that they would consider themselves anyway. Right. Whatever. And what I'm saying is don't have a mock wedding on your as, first date. As the whatever. troubadours say, um, pretending is also real. <laughs> pretending to, yeah. We're pretending to be in love, but pretending is also real. So maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Well, it, but so it's interesting that Trish, who is the like the only example we see of like the the least feminine, by the end of this movie, seeing what Elaine has, uh, she ends up in Elaine's room, and she transforms herself into Elaine, wearing her wig, putting on her makeup, and her underwear, uh, which is bizarre. Like that. Listen, putting on the makeup is weird. Being in someone's home, like you're going through grief, but putting on their underwear, pretty pretty wild. Like, yeah. are you? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was wild. Um, so, like, even at the end, like, Trish, like, goes through this transformation to become even more 
feminine. I just thought that was really interesting. Right before she realizes that uh, Elena was a person who drove her husband crazy and then threatens to kill her and, you know. I, I liked so. Trish as a character. I felt like that was actually, I liked her arc. I wanted way more of that and way less medieval times, actually. I, like, when I... Agreed! I, I, like, wanted way more because I thought it was such a cool thing where she, so they have the meeting, right? It's, like, an inverse, like, it bookends the story, and then she's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I like that's kind of where Trish is coming from. She's like, maybe I should be like Elaine, and then yeah, and so she becomes Elaine, and then she realizes that she realizes that her husband was cheating with Elaine, and it's such a terrible betrayal. And I think she sort of stands yeah. for like modern womanhood, and she's so furious. Not not necessarily. I mean, like she's she's so betrayed in that moment that she like physically fights um, Elaine. And then then yeah. runs out heartbroken at the whole situation, and Elaine kills her. Right? No, no, no. She uh, she like kneels on the ground and like prays for her to crash, like prays that she dies. And I'm pretty sure she actually makes it, and like that's some of the evidence that uh, the detective oh, has. That's right. Yeah. So she doesn't actually. She's um, not able to do it. But I kind of felt like it was like it it. it she was trying for her right. to die, for right. sure. But I feel like uh, Trish is sort of the the character that's supposed to be like, no, like, we should trust other women. Like, don't be like Elaine. <laughs> Being like Elaine is a bad idea. Um, yeah. Elaine kind of sucks, guys. Yeah. Be yourself. Be like, be like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like Trish is, is doing what she, we should all be wearing peach pantsuits, potentially, rather than, mm-hmm. um, rather than uh, Elaine's underwear. Don't wear other people's underwear, I think is the moral. Don't wear other that's people's the, underwear, that's guys. The moral. Um, it's also not very sanitary. No. It's all, it's um, not... Yeah, that's the, 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 the final moral of this film. Don't wear other Just people's don't, underwear. Don't do it. I, I know it seems very alluring. <laughs> you don't, you can't, you don't want to deal with that shit. Literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally, in some cases. You know, we talk about control. We've talked about, like, the fantasy and the reality. I think it's really interesting that at the end... So we see Elaine painting uh, throughout this movie. I'd like to say we don't actually. And I think that this was something that always took me out of the movie was that this dry brush was being plopped around oh, yeah, I, on like on a totally that. painted painting. I hated that. And like, like, come on. Like, you could have like literally added like a little bit of actual paint. Like that was just. Or just oh, like make was... the brush wet. <laughs> but in the end, like she has created, she has another fantasy she's created, this painting of this beautiful woman in a red cape standing like well kneeling over uh the corpse of a lover holding his heart and on the ground is it's like a spilled glass like she she ended up ascribing to a different fantasy that was the one like we see the the chalice fall from uh griff's hands because he's not interested in anything she has to offer and like we see her like standing over him we see her after she stabbed him like seeing the painting again but like she she still is stuck on a fantasy. It just what her fantasy was, I think, evolved. Um, yeah, oh. more to what she really wanted all to get all along. Like m- probably more towards the death. She was uh, her rage was uh, wanting to give for a while. So I agree with that, and I think I think that that like the ending itself really portrays. Um, Elaine as as both villain and hero and is truly complex and kind of puts her in a position where she's almost she's like a classic tragic figure um 
and she's yeah. like a she's a victim of bad fate because she's a woman and she's been and she's been born into this like rapey like rape culture world right and that's yeah. and that's like nothing she didn't do anything to have that happen that happened to her right so that's her bad yeah. fate but then they also need bad choices so like Oedipus Rex right like he, the fates make him do these bad things but he also chooses to ignore all the warnings he has. So she also makes yeah. bad choices. Like she chooses to turn away from any sort of like natural power she would have and like actual agency and makes this deal that causes her to kill people. Yeah. Yeah. The deal with the devil. And I think right. that that is exactly what it is. In fact, we get some kind of devilish imagery from um, from of the sex cult, you know. Oh yeah, he's, he wears, wears that. horns. Yeah. He wears like yeah, he does. a devil's mask. In fact, there's a devil's mask sitting uh, on the table next to her right before he rapes her. Um, well, that's right. Yeah, in front of a bunch of onlookers. So yeah, and she has very interesting. She's a she's a character that has like person. She's a person has personality disorder. She's a sociopath, and she creates this destruction around her despite being like a very winsome and like charming person. And I, I just think it's really cool. And I think that she is a a feminist figure be, because of all that stuff. That's, like, very interesting. And I'm not sure I've ever seen such a, like, kind of classically, like, as in, like, Greek tragic figure, yeah. put, like, put out there within a feminist context. And I, I think that's important. I agree. I agree with that 100%. Plus, I think it's a fresh take and a fearless stance on what, like, the male gaze does to a woman's woman's psyche like taken to a very like extreme uh, place yes it's it's satire but um also it I, it is very damaging i don't think any uh woman uh, all right there are plenty of women that would disagree because there are plenty of women who don't believe we're in a patriarchy but i can't can't speak to those women because like that's we're not engaged in the same reality so whatever but um I don't think many people would disagree with the fact that uh, living in rape culture is damaging for women. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're you're among friends. Yes, that's a yes. fair that's a fair yeah, statement that's, that's to make. Again, another not hot take. Um, <laughs> not hot along take. with infanticide is bad, and you can side against Nazis another, because Nazis are bad too. Another room temperature take. <laughs> like yeah. it's just fine. Or lukewarm. It's okay. Yeah. This is fine. Everyone agrees. Everyone likes this. This is fine. So, of course, we enjoyed this movie. We'd recommend it. It's obviously streaming on Amazon Prime. If you have that, by all means, get get over there and watch it and feel extra Halloween-y while you do it. Uh Um, Once again, if you enjoy it and you want to support... you know, independent film and just be righteous and support us. Uh, you can use our Amazon affiliated link to purchase the love witch. And just for good measure, we also threw one up for uh, basic witches, um, which is a self-help book um, about harnessing your power and, you know, getting yeah, a little it's witchy. Just, it's just, it's just talking about some very basic magic and the way we view magic and, it is literally as basic as the title. So if you want something that's like not, Wicca, but it's kind of like a little, you know, putting your toe in the water of uh, Pre-Wicca? Of, of of our yeah of, of just what it is to be a woman in society and what it what is this uh, inheritance we have um, of women who were strong before us who were ostracized but uh, took the actions that they would. I'm probably making this book sound more profound than it is. <laughs> it's a cool book. Check it out. Check it out. It's up there in the link. Yep. 
Um, and then um, continuing our celebration of October, uh, we will be doing the horror movie The Babadook next time. I'm genuinely scared, guys. It's, it's I will actually, genuinely need someone to like hold my hand. It's actually a scary movie. We we can uh, we can do that thing where like we call each other and watch it please, together if you would please, like. Um, please, because it's actually yeah. frightening, but it's so good. It's such a good movie. I no, I'm I'm excited movie. to watch it. I've I've only heard great things. I just. Yeah, but it's it's legitimately a spine tingler. So you know, get your Halloween candy and your apple cider ready, Ooh. and watch it on a dark and scary night. Or if you're me, in the daytime with broad daylight, shining <laughs> right outside, broad high noon, high noon. Nothing scary happens at high noon. High noon with friends and family around. By the way, we're recording this at midnight. I'm in a basement of a very old building that was an old uh, carriage factory uh, from the yeah, 1800s. We might, have to, and, we might uh, have to do like a Saturday recording for that. Or yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like I, as I'm describing this, I'm like, yeah, I really might not be able to do like a real scary movie, like in the pitch black alone in the basement of like an old building. Sorry, guys. No, thanks. No one will blame you for that. Um, yeah. Good. <laughs> So thanks for listening to Space Bros. Head over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Please be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Cheers! An outrageous, An outrageous mechanism's, mechanism's production. production.